From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour as we launch our 24th year on the air. And thanks to everyone that's helped us along the way, especially you, the listeners, and uh, some of our great guests. Indeed, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad right now to welcome in Jim Ennis of Catholic Rural Life. He is the executive director of Catholic Rural Life. Jim, good day. Thank you, Bob. It's great. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, Jim uh, joins us by phone. Jim, where are you today? I'm in St. Paul, Minnesota, oh at my. the headquarters of the Catholic Rural Life Conference. Goodness, my parents got married in St. Paul, Minnesota. So Did they really? You're giving me chills. So. Well, I'm a native California who's moved to <laughs> Minnesota. <so. laughs> well, my, my dad, uh, who went to school, at, he was actually a native of Portland, but he went to the University of Minnesota, and my mom was a North Dakotan, and they met there in, in Minnesota. But uh, he told me he, he got a little tired of seeing snow in May. So <laughs> <laughs> That is true. Winter does bite here. It lasts a long time. It does. It's, uh, yeah, so, yeah, summer is a couple of afternoons, right? <laughs> right. I, unfortunately, I have some rel- I relatives still in California, so I come out there at convenient times, such as uh, in the middle of February. Yes, yes, yes. Where were you from in California? Well, I, um, I grew up in Bakersfield. Oh, my goodness. California. Yeah. And so, and, you know, and uh, worked on farms, um, earning money for college, and then I went to UC Davis. Oh my goodness! I'm an Aggie too. Agriculture economics. So I finished in Ag Econ. Ag Econ was uh, when when I was in school at UC Davis. Ag Econ was the like the number one major. It was yeah, that was uh, food that and food tech. Those those were the two two big ones at UC Davis. Wow. Well, Bakersfield that's kind of at the the very bottom of the breadbasket in the Central Valley. <laughs> One way to put it, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, my dad, my dad worked for Kern County, and so okay. uh, we lived there. I, I was born in Southern California, but we eventually found ourselves in Bakersfield, and and I, I grew up there and loved the valley, loved um, you know just uh, the rivers and growing up um, out in the outdoors a lot. Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because I I uh, my sports writing days uh, covering UC Davis, uh, they used to go down and they'd play Cal State Bakersfield in basketball. And, oh, sure. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the, I was through Bakersfield last summer, and it's like 10 times bigger than I remember it being. Yeah, yeah, I was in Bakersfield in March, and the same thing. It's it's well over 300 plus, yeah. plus yeah, thousand. I, I never thought of it as, as that size, you know, and it's just the, of course, the whole Southern Valley, uh, Fresno's gotten huge and Bakersfield's gotten huge. It's a, it's amazing, but yeah, uh, both those, both those towns are thriving. I mean, because they have so much industry, agriculture and other related industries, oil, of course, um, every, everything is there. Um, and it, it just draws a lot of people. I remember, Years ago, my wife and I were watching a movie. I think it was called Wag the Dog. And and there were some scenes, some rural scenes. And my wife's from Montana. And she says, that looks like Montana. And I said, it looks like Bakersfield to me. And and by golly, we, we stayed and watched the credits. And they thanked the uh, Bakersfield Film Commission or something for <laughs> Growing up at Bakersfield, when I came to the Midwest, I felt very at home. 
because it, it there's a lot of similarities. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so much so much history in that valley too. You know the the with the migrants from grapes Oklahoma of wrath and, and everything. Yeah, yeah, the oh, grapes definitely. of wrath and uh, the the town of Weed Patch. For heaven's sakes, you know it's 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 really. <laughs> I, my wife and I went there and because we, we didn't really believe, we saw it on the map and we said there can't really be a town called Weed Patch. And oh, there is. There is. Yeah. <laughs> there is. Yeah. Yeah. Just absolutely, absolutely amazing. So well. Uh, it's it's great to hear about your background. How did you get into California rural life? And, and that organization's almost, well, I guess this year it's 100 years old. Yeah, we're turning 100 in November. Uh, Catholic Rural Life was founded by a priest who was raised on a farm in actually in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And he uh, was ordained in 1905, but he eventually was called to um, Oregon, where he was oh, wow. ministering in Eugene, Oregon, and he asked the archbishop there in Portland to if he could have a rural ministry. So he began to work with farmers in Oregon. Hmm. And he saw this need when he went to national conferences with the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops and the priests would gather together. He saw a real need to focus a lot of the Catholic resources to, uh, to the rural areas because at that time half the population lived in rural a lot of the church's resources were going to urban areas. And so he started up Catholic Rural Life to network with pastors, religious, uh, laity across the country to strengthen and to uh, promote Catholic life in rural America. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, uh, what the 200 and however many dioceses there are, um, you they're all lo- located almost exclusively in uh Urban areas. Usually, the usually the biggest city uh, in a state has a diocese, or uh, in the second biggest cities probably has a diocese. And it's it's very it was very interesting. I mean, I've never heard of the diocese of Chico, or you know, the diocese of Klamath, oh, sure. Klamath Falls, or you know, et cetera. Um, and yet, even in California, which uh, I'm I remember. Uh, the first time my wife from Montana came through and we took a ride up and down the valley and she said, I come from big sky country, but I've never seen a big sky like this. You know, you could just, yeah. because the valley was so vast and mountains on either side, you know, and it, uh, she was, she was frankly astounded at how rural California was. Yeah, it, it is, it is impressive. And, um, you know, ha- almost half the dioceses in the country have uh, significant rural in their oversight. Mm-hmm. But as you say, most of, almost all the dioceses, are, you know, are, are located, their um, cathedrals and et cetera, are located in the big city metro areas of those particular dioceses. Right. So Catholic Rural Life's ministry and role with the Church is to, uh, again, represent rural and to support um, rural communities across the country, especially with issues that are often common among many dioceses in the country. Well, well, Agriculture is one of those areas sure, that we it, it, focus on. So, so ag is one. When we think rural, we think farms, but rural could mean a lot of things. It can mean forestry. Mm-hmm. It can mean tourism. You know, it, it, it's, um, it really is uh, dependent upon the part of the country that you're in. And so, um, you know, you think of the Diocese of Monterey, California, and what right. do you think of? You think of beautiful 
you know, seascapes and, and Golf the courses. ocean, but there's yeah. also agriculture there in the diocese of Monterey. Oh, there too. sure Significant is. Significant yeah. agriculture. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, lot of artichokes, a lot of strawberries. Yeah. And I sit on a committee, it's called the Domestic Justice and Human Development Committee at the USCCB, and I represent rural for across the country, our organization. Um, and so I sit in meetings twice a year with bishops to talk about the rural concerns and that rural America is important to the church. And so, um, you know, there's our, our organization really does its best to represent the, the needs and the issues facing rural communities across the country. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because uh, this really hits home here in the Diocese of Sacramento where we have, there's 58 counties in California and we have 20 of them in the Sacramento Diocese. And when you get uh, north of Redding, I mean, the the biggest city in Modoc County, I think, is Alturas, and the biggest city in Siskiyou County is probably either Mount Shasta or Weed, or maybe Wairika. You know, it's it's, and those are all uh, dots on the map. Uh, with all due respect, they're very small towns, and yet those no, are the biggest I, cities. And I, I met several of those priests at two different workshops that I've done mm -hmm. for the priests serving rural communities in the Diocese of Sacramento, and I was amazed at just the geography and the, the the number of parishes and missions that these um, priests who are heroes are covering in their oversight. It's um, really significant. I had one priest who I met, he was covering, you know, four parishes and four missions. So yeah. basically eight churches across his area of responsibility. And they're not, and they're, some of those missions are really, uh, you know, on uh, 40 miles away on a two-lane twisting road. And, exactly. And yeah, in, even though it's even though in it's California, uh, some of those uh, roads had over six or seven hundred inches of snow this winter. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's just amazing. And but it's almost always in in those areas where they have the missions. I mean, it, there are right. a few missions in the urban areas, but primarily, uh, if you're a if you're a pastor in Sacramento, you're a pastor at your parish, and I mean that uh, has its own challenges, and and but generally it it doesn't require having good tires on your car, um, like it does in the in the, the real rural areas. Yeah, and many of these priests are you know circuit pastors. They, yeah. they, they yeah. do a circuit over the weekend. They're covering you know five, four or five parishes, possibly covering you know hundreds of miles in their yeah, and trying um, to to even circuit. provide one mass a week at some of the missions is almost impossible. Yeah, and I, I, uh, I, uh, when I came on board Catholic World Life in 2008, uh, the Bishop of Des Moines asked me to help him with a, uh, a 30th anniversary of Pope John Paul II's first visit to the United States. Which was and in was Des Moines. Yeah. Which was in Des Moines. Yeah. And the, rural, and, and the reason it was in Des Moines was because a farmer heard that the John, Pope John Paul II was coming to the United States, and he wrote a letter and sent it to the Vatican through his bishop. And the Bishop Dingman at that time sent the letter on to the Vatican, and thinking he'd never hear back from it. But he heard back, and the Pope said, I am going to add Des Moines to my itinerary and speak to rural America. And he ended up speaking to over 300,000 people. And his message was how important rural life and agriculture and all those involved in agricultural production are to the church mm -hmm. and really raised up the dignity and nobility of those involved in rural communities especially those involved in agriculture and food production 
W- was he able to pronounce Des Moines correctly? <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a great point. And I, I, as I recall, he did a really very good job pronouncing it correctly. But that's a, that's a good word. He, he flew in on, on Angel One. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Landed in, just out in the West Des Moines area, and then he, he um, spoke to um, the largest outdoor crowd in, in Iowa's history. It's still the record of over 350,000 people oh my gosh. who were at that event. Yeah, 19, it, October 4th in 1979. Oh, it gives me chills. That's, that's I mean, Des Moines, of course, is uh, uh, a big city and uh, uh, always had a great newspaper there in Des Moines. Um, they still do. They still, still do. do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that, that, but that, that symbolism, um, and Pope John Paul II was so good at that, um, he, he um, spoke to real America, but he, he also spoke to the world in terms of the importance of agriculture and farmers and, uh, and that the, what the church has to say to them. And it, it, was, it was a beautiful sermon and a beautiful moment. And, again, it, it, when I interviewed several folks who attended that event, farmers included, mm-hmm. um, they were inspired. They were uh, really uh, amazed to hear how important rural is to uh, the Pope. And, you know, Pope Benedict, who's followed Pope John Paul II and Pope Francis, all have concurred on the importance of rural people and farmers um, to the Catholic Church. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, but for some reason, Des Moines has a, a very large Catholic population. They do, um, and it's uh, and they they have a strong Christian population uh-huh. too. They, oh yeah, you know, well the whole state does, yeah. But the Catholic, but the um, but the Catholic Church um, is strong there, and it's uh, again a lot of new immigrants who moved to that area were Catholic, coming mm-hmm. from different countries, and who immigrated and and really um, planted roots there in that community. So what do you hear from, uh, you know, other than, you know, having so, so much on their plate, what do you hear from rural pastors just in terms of their challenges? Well, a lot of their challenges are related to the cultural challenges that they're facing. And, and what I mean by that is the secularization of our culture across the board. And what's happened in rural communities is often um, – they, they don't have as many, um, I would say, resources, Catholic resources at their disposal. I mean, what, um, for instance, if you were raising your family and you were a farmer and you had five kids and you wanted to send them to study agriculture but also to study the Catholic faith, mm-hmm. there isn't, um, of the 244 uh, grant uh, or uh, colleges across the country mm-hmm. that uh, provide degrees, there's not one school of agriculture. Wow. If you want to study medicine or you want to study teaching or you want to study uh, dentistry, you could go to a Catholic university and have a Catholic lens. Right, seen. right. But for agriculture, you, you go to the land-grant university. Yeah, they're all the land-grants. That's right. School. Yeah. And so what's missing there is, is that lack of Catholic formation. Uh, the intellectual thought, and and the ch- Catholic Church has much to say about agriculture and about care for the planet and care for creation. That is really um, important. Matter of fact, Bishop Stephen Blair, who was the Bishop of of Stockton, Stockton California, yeah. invited us to speak back in 2011 on 
uh, faith, food, and the environment, mm-hmm. and the vocation of the agricultural leader. And we and we spoke there, and I had a theologian speak on this whole topic. And I had five farmers come up to me afterwards, and they said, where did you get this guy? We've <laughs> never heard this in the wow. pulpit. And they're all Catholic farmers, and they're going, we're, we're, you've got to share this. And I said, you know, our organization's working on it to share this, more mm-hmm. information. But that's one of the challenges is the, um, the, the, the lack of Catholic resources in rural communities. The second is that priests are stretched very thin, often covering two, three, four, five parishes. So they're, they're stretched very thin. So there's a real need for developing lay leadership or co-laborers in the vineyard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is a, a work that John Paul II started and Pope Benedict um, advocated for it and um, Pope Francis in his, docu- in his encyclical the joy of the gospel uh, also speaks to this important issue of uh, equipping and unleashing the lady in the joy of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, so even often, you know, all the way back to Vatican II talks about the lady. Absolutely, right, exactly. And John Paul's apostolic letter was on that, uh, that you know, look, looking back into the Vatican II and then bringing, representing this to, in 1985 when, when the group of bishops came together to talk about the role of the lady. And that's so important, is how to equip the lady. Often I meet men and women, Catholic men and women in rural communities that say, Jim, I don't feel very confident, competent, or courageous in my Catholic faith. You know, and it's, it's not their fault. I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a lack of, of resources often, because a lot of the rural communities are strapped and, and, and for um, resources, human resources or economic resources. So there's a real need for our continued... Um, you know, Catholic education, but also uh, organizations like ourselves that we do the workshops and conferences providing kind of that um, teaching and education that's missing. Yeah, and you know, my sense is uh, uh, the number of rural parishes that I visited, and I've visited most of them over the years because I've lived here for so long uh, in, in our diocese and other dioceses, is that they don't, they don't have a large population uh, in ter- terms of church attendance, even and it's not percentage-wise, just uh, just actual number of bodies that to do a number of ministries, it's hard for them to have you know lay people in charge of a whole bunch of ministries because they just don't have the numbers. Right, that can be a problem in in in, um, in, in many of the communities, and also the communities have changed in composition. You know, there are new Immigrants have moved into the communities. They're Catholic, but they're from different countries, and they, right. they, there are different traditions in, uh, in the Catholic faith that they emphasize. And so there's a need to, you know, for, for, especially for the pastors to be culturally attuned to the, the, the nuances and, and differences that there may be and how to reach out. For instance, that group of, of priests that I spoke to at a, in a workshop last August, every one of them were bilingual. Mm-hmm. Every, you know, and some of them spoke three, four languages right. because some of them were international priests who had other languages as well. And again, kudos to them because they they are, you know, really um, seeing the importance of of communication and how to connect with um, folks from different cultures within a rural culture. Yeah, in in the Diocese of Sacramento, certainly it's. I mean, I don't know if it's an absolute requirement, but it's very close that you, you be bilingual at least. Um, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I think you have to be. You, you'd have to be, especially the rural communities where there are sizable, um, you know, 
communities that are speaking Spanish right. and or other languages as well. And so there's, that's, that's a really important facet. Um, even here in the Midwest, it's interesting. Like we teach a course on rural ministry here, and we go out to farms and out to communities, and we, I bring in pastors who are covering rural in their, in their pastorate, and they share, too, that you know, it's important to understand the culture. And that may be, maybe it's a Hispanic culture, but it may also be German culture or Polish culture, mm -hmm. um, because these communities, you know, were settled, settled by immigrants, and those traditions, et cetera, are very important. And um, and sometimes a, a pastor may come in from an urban area, not familiar with rural, not familiar with agriculture, not familiar with maybe cross-cultural type of evangelism, and can be um, almost um, ignorant of of the, the the importance of really honoring the different cultures within a community. Yeah, I and mean, it's very I, significant. I, I know from the the various cemeteries I visited, especially in the small towns, uh, they're frequently almost attached to the church. Uh, that you can you can see history of where these people came from, and there there are periods you can see. Okay, these people all came from, you know, uh, Eastern Europe, or these people all came from. Uh, Mexico, or these people all came from wherever, you know, uh, it's, and they tend to, to live there in these small rural communities for generations. Yeah, and the beauty of our Catholic Church and our Catholic faith is that it is multicultural, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. universal, and so it's, a, it's a really a fascinating thing to see priests who are attentive to those particular nuances and differences, who can come into those communities and, and really affirm and, and help those communities thrive, even though they may be small, but help them to thrive in their identity and thrive in their community. And it's, um, those are the kinds of exemplary models that I, we try to share with others to inspire and provide new ideas. You know, I, I, it makes me laugh when I think about it, but I had a, an acquaintance, not really a friend, but just somebody who, who uh, knew I was on Catholic radio and stuff and had said, uh, how, could, how could you do that? It's just a bunch of white guys telling people how to think. And I, sa I said, would you like to come to Mass with me? And, and see how many white guys are there telling people what to think, because I've I've never been to a more diverse, inclusive uh, place than a Catholic mass in the Diocese of Sacramento. Oh, I agree. I I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I lived in Zambia and worked in Lusaka and mm -hmm. doing student ministry for a couple of years, and just met some remarkable men and women who became mentors for me in. in in, in ministry to young people and to the university uh, population, and then returning to the United States and then um, continuing to use those lessons in working in rural communities here in the United States. And it's been a real blessing to find uh, rural priests who maybe have been called from Nigeria or from Uganda doing ministry really effective ministry in rural communities, uh, mm -hmm. both in the Diocese of Sacramento, but also in other dioceses around the country. And I tell you, there's, there's so many, um, there, there's so much going on that the Holy Spirit is doing in rural communities to revive the faith. And what we're seeing is, is revivals in these different communities. And, you know, God bless Bishop Soto, too, and all the good work he's, you know, trying to do within his very large and yeah. And diverse dioceses. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's interesting, too, because 
in, in California especially, the difference, I, I don't know, I, I, we don't like to do politics here, but there are enormous political differences within these 20 counties. Um, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, I mean uh, n- night and day political differences within, within California. Um, where you, you could be walking into something, you know, you don't quite know where the population is on certain certain issues that that the church. I mean, I'm very proud of the Catholic Church being willing to take stands on quote unquote controversial issues of the day. And, you know, some people say, well, you should just be within the four walls of the church and do whatever you guys do in there, but don't come out into the marketplace and try to spread your ideas. I'm very proud of the fact that. Uh, I, whether it's Bishop Soto or Bishop Wiegand before him or, or Bishop Blair and Stockton and et cetera, et cetera, uh, they're, they're out making statements, volunteering statements on the issues of the day. I mean, they're not telling people how to vote, but they certainly are saying this is where the church stands. And as you know, you can't pigeonhole the Catholic Church. Uh, some some stances would be regarded in the, in the secular world as very liberal, and some stances would be regarded as very conservative. You know, and I I found in the 15 years I've been with Catholic Rural Life that I often get calls from ministers who are with, who are Presbyterian mm-hmm. in, in their faith background, or who are um, working, you know, in, in in these different communities, and they. They call us and, and they often say to me, Jim, I just so appreciate the Catholic faith, you know, the current, the, le- the letters to the Catholic Church from the popes, mm-hmm. how they address modern issues, modern right. concerns, and apply the church's teaching, apply scripture to these modern day church um, uh, problems. And I had a Lutheran bishop come up to me and we wrote, we wrote this document called The Vocation of the Agricultural Leader, Faithful in the Environment, that was based up a lot on Pope Francis's Laudato Si and mm-hmm. other writings of the church and he said jim this is such a beautiful document he goes i wish we had written it and he was speaking about lutherans his lutheran um parishioners but he but he recognized the depth of thought and the depth of trying to address these issues of human dignity and care of creation and you know subsidiarity all these different terms but they're important concepts of respect for the human person and respect for communities Right. And and to let local communities also often dictate or you know determine their uh, how they will apply certain things. And I I have found that the church's teachings are very rich for uh, a lot of faith traditions. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned subsidiarity, and um, I I think the the I even talk to to my Catholic friends who say, well, it's a it's a real top down organization. You know, what the Pope says goes. And everybody else marches in lockstep. And I said, you know, actually, the parish pastor is—he has a lot of lot of—I don't, I don't want to use the word authority, but he—he he sets the table, you know. And that's where it all starts—is in the parishes. Yeah, and that's why the leadership in the parishes, both from the pastor and also the lay leaders, are so important. Yeah, because when they're rooted in the church in Christ. Church and the teachings, you know, you can see communities being transformed in, in so many different ways, and I see it happening in different places. I also see, you know, problem problem areas too, and and but uh, but those areas that are thriving are often because there's strong leadership, both on the clergy side, but also with laity. 
We're speaking with Jim Ennis, uh, the executive director of Catholic Rural Life. Jim, talk a little bit, if you would, about loneliness of of the the pastors. I mean, you know, you you think of uh, priests, you know, in in an urban area like Sacramento. I don't know how many. uh, We've probably got 50 uh, priests right here in the city of Sacramento. You know, they can get together. They can socialize. They can... Uh, but when you're, you know, way up someplace else, uh, you, you you may be 50, 60, 70 miles from the next priest. Right. Not, not that that's the only people you can socialize or with, but, but it seems like that loneliness could be a concern. Oh, it definitely is. It was, we did a, a significant survey before we started a program called Thriving in Rural Ministry with priests. All, we sent out to 4,000 priests across the country, rural priests across the country. And isolation was one of the top issues. And one of the things that um, what happens is often priests are assigned to a rural parish and they cover multiple parishes in a rural community. They may be the only priest in the county. Right. And so as a result, that priest has to really be mindful of the need for community. We're all, we all need community. Right. We all need accountability. And we all need you know, encouragement and affirmation. And sometimes that doesn't always come from the parishioners because you know, they've seen priests come and go, come and go, and so sometimes there, there's not always a warm reception. That might be the exception, but it can happen where a priest will need to find others. Mm-hmm. It could be a family. It could be you know, other people. It could be other brother priests who are you know, uh, maybe 100 miles away, but they, they determine, let's meet once a month here right. and right. let's spend a half a day together and pray, share confessions back and forth, and then also, you know, in, have some fun. Yeah. And and that's the healthiest environments I've seen is where priests are doing that very intentionally, have either organized it where they're in their, uh, you know, depending on how the, the diocese is structured, to get together periodically mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. do that. And those are the most healthy ones I see. I see also some unhealthy ones where they're not, they're, they're, they're isolated, but they're not doing much intentionally to build community. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, it, you know, things can fall apart. The wheels can fall off in many different ways. Yeah, and you know, the, the, the other thing that you see, I think more in the rural communities, in the parishes, is you'll see vast differences in wealth <laughs> of the parishioners. Yeah. You know, um, you'll see maybe maybe wealthy landowners uh, attending the same mass or part of the same parish as a number of farm workers who are, you know, really trying to scrape out a living. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's, you know, where you have to reread the letter of James. You know, again, uh-huh. to not judge a brother or sister, right. but to be able to, to care for each other. But I, I you know, you you the priest isn't a stranger in that community. You know, they they are a public figure, and so you know everybody knows each other. Right. Uh, and as a result, they may know a lot about each other, and some of it is regards to wealth, and 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 so there's a really a, a, I, I see in many communities though often um, the, in, in rural settings people are very uh, generous and and charitable and and know, care for those, you know, in need in their particular communities. Right. Um, there's so much anonymity in the large towns and cities. And, you know, you can go back and forth and not even, you know, blink an eye at, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know anyone who's poor in my community except for the person standing on the corner. Right. Maybe. Right. But, but, but that's, 
that's changing, but but in rural communities, it's much more obvious. Although, everybody knows everybody. Know, yeah, they do, and and that can be a blessing. Yeah, uh, as long as it doesn't, you know, uh, de- degrade to uh, become gossip and and other challenges there. But um, that's that is um, uh, a you know a unique feature that you're that you're not anonymous in a rural community. Yeah, you know, I I remember one time. Uh, taking my kids up uh, and, and we, we attended a small church, a, a mission church up in the foothills. And well, no, it was actually, it was actually the parish, but they had some missions and, and, and we went to mass and it was like nine o'clock on Sunday morning, something like that, nine thirty, And I said, so just, you just have, and it was a decent sized church. And I said, you just have one mass and Whoever I was talking to, one of the parishioners said, "Yes, it's wonderful, because everybody comes to that mass and we get to know each other." You know, it was it was you know you're thinking, "Oh, it's it's that's an inconvenience to only have one mass." She saw it as a as a wonderful thing for the parish. Yeah, and I think that's where the pastor, you know, kind of being attentive to the needs in their in his community, can do so much good in terms of organizing. There are multiple masses that work for different groups sure. of yeah. People sometimes you have to having yeah. one or you know having often having events where everyone's invited and you can see and get to know each other right um, because often in the larger parishes you know you're going to one mass maybe I go to the eight o'clock mass and someone else goes to the ten thirty and you don't see each other right very often unless you have intentional small groups yeah and and so forth but you're right it's um community is really important and. And how people celebrate community in rural in, in a rural setting is important again for um, pastoral leadership to be attentive to what works, what doesn't work. Well, Jim, I, I could talk to you all day. Uh, we're uh, up against the clock here. I hope we can get you back on, and uh, if you uh, if if you come back to uh, the Sacramento diocese, uh, my my uh, producer always laughs and says that I know the best burger joint in every town in Northern California. So I'll, <laughs> I'll share that with you. <laughs> Bob, I will. I'll let you know because I do come to California about four times a year. So I make sure I, California is is close to my heart. Uh, Very both good. The people and the and the geography. I just love. I love California. Well, we'll be sure and uh, get get together when you get out here. Well, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for having me on your show. Thanks, Jim, and thanks for all all you do. Uh, it's really, really important work. Uh, take care, and, and God bless. Thank you, Bob. Yeah, that's uh, Jim Ennis, who's the executive director of Catholic Rural Life, and a story about him and his ministry uh, in the current uh, Catholic Herald, which is really devoted to agriculture and and the challenges and, and uh, uh, joys of uh, a number of people who uh, work the land here in the Diocese of Sacramento. We'll take a quick break, back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. They also accept donations at the store, donations of furniture, appliances, clothing, books, everyday household items. 
Your donations help to fund the many projects of the St. Vincent de Paul Society throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Do such wonderful, wonderful work, and the thrift store is uh, one of the the ways they uh, raise the funds to help people throughout the diocese, and also uh, many of their clients are able to access the uh, thrift store for uh, items that they need. You can uh, give them a call. They will come pick it up as well, but you can uh, give them a call. They're at 916-972-1212. And remember, again, the thrift store is open uh, seven days a week at 2275 Watt Avenue right here in Sacramento. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank uh, the St. Vincent de Paul Society and Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center for their fine and longstanding support of the Bishop's Hour. This is Deacon Kevin Stasco, the Director of the Office of Youth and Young Adult Ministry and Family and Faith Formation, and you're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Kevin, for all you do, and thanks for that wonderful introduction. We should tell you that the uh, World Youth Day, of course, is going to be in Lisbon in Portugal in early August, but uh, World Youth Day stateside will take place uh, at uh, Trinity Pines uh, Catholic Center here in in the Diocese of Sacramento, and uh, you can participate for uh, $25, uh, Youth and Young Adult Ministry, and uh, it, it will be the World Youth Day stateside, and we'll give you we'll give you more information on that as it gets closer. Well, we are pleased and honored to be joined by Father Memo, the Director of Vocations for the Diocese of Sacramento. Father, always good to uh, see hey, your hey, smiling hey. face. <laughs> I know. I'm happy to be here. You, Thank you. You are the best advertisement. You're a walking advertisement for the, pl- for the priesthood because you, you exude such joy. Thank you. Only when I'm in good mood. Oh, when you're good mood. When you're, <laughs> when you're in a bad mood, you, you go. To yeah, you don't want to see door. me. Yes, you don't want to see me when you're um, in bad mood. When I, yeah, when I, t- I didn't sleep well. When I, when I didn't pray enough. Yes, you don't want my, to see me. My, uh, my wife tells the kids, "Don't talk to dad until he's had a cup of coffee." Exactly. Don't talk to dad. Just let him sit there, comatose. <laughs> I forgot to to mention that I I'm no morning person. So yeah, life oh, for me starts like yeah. a. After lunchtime is when I start thinking, you know. Yeah. In the morning, I'm just in the automatic mode because yeah. I cannot think, I cannot, yes, it's, yeah. it's hard. Yes. But anyway, I'm happy to be here also. Yes. You are a very joyful man, and, and you know how much we appreciate you for your energy and your oh. talents and everything you bring to the diocese. I love to be in this diocese. It's a, it's a great diocese and so proud to be Catholic. All, all the great things the Catholic Church stands for. You know, and, uh, Thanks be to God. Yes. Now, yes, indeed. Thanks be to God. Uh, speaking of that, 
we got some great events coming up right in, oh, yeah. in right around the corner here in the month of June. That's right. The first one is on June 20th, Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. We have the basketball game, priests and seminarians. Priests have been training since a few months ago because of their age. Seminarians don't need to train. <laughs> they are young and they can do it. But uh, priests have been doing it. So everybody's invited to come at Christian Brothers on June Tuesday, June 20 at right. 6, 6 30 p.m. 6 30, and the doors open, and then I think the game will start at 7. But get there early, and there's a snack bar there. You, you know, you can have hot dogs, nachos, a, a soda. Um, you know, there's plenty of food there. Um, so you just get there and get, get, get a snack, and then uh, get a seat. And it's always packed, yes. which really adds to the excitement. There's, there's, there's room for everybody, but it's always packed, and everybody's rooting for their favorite priest or their maybe the seminarians families are there that's right uh it's just it's it's wild and but it's it's real basketball yes it's serious basketball and now that the kings are out of the playoffs it's the only game in town <laughs> exactly <laughs> so yes it's gonna be very good and tickets you can find tickets in your parishes or you can buy tickets here you just call maricela at 916-733 0258 maricela smith or even at the at the very day of the event, we will sell tickets. Right. But don't wait until that moment because tickets we can run out of tickets. As happened last year, actually, yeah, we ran out of, t of tickets at it, the very last minute. There may come a day uh, as as wonderful as, as accommodating as Christian Brothers has been. Yeah. Where you need a bigger arena. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, yeah. You, you may have to go to Golden One. Oh, who knows? <laughs> Maybe next next time. Who knows? And it's it's such a fun game. For for a long time, it was priests against seminarians. Right. But but now you, you you mix them, yeah. Because we don't have enough seminarians, unfortunately. Right. Though I have good news uh, that I will give. But we don't have enough seminarians that play basketball. I was going to say, do you do you when you interview a potential seminarian, somebody who comes to you, do you do you have a a, a basketball hoop and see if he can play? <laughs> no, I should. <laughs> you should. I should. You can make the free throws. No, there is a, a, a for instance an example of a, of a young man who is very tall and strong, but he doesn't play basketball. He's great at golf. He's a oh, golfer, really? but not a basketball player. So you see. Yeah, I thought you know if God made you that tall, you had to play basketball. <laughs> That's what they thought when I when I live in the Philippines and yeah. I was a seminarian there. They put me to play basketball, and after five minutes, they realized that I'm useless. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we have basketball game the June twentieth. Then we have the dinner, vocations dinner on June twenty fourth, Saturday night. Saturday night, and the tickets you can find the tickets through the Knights of Columbus or your parishes, mm -hmm. and the Knights sponsor this. That's uh, right, as, as part of their uh, vocations ministry, really. Yeah, and the intention is to, you know, to have a, a day, a, an evening of celebrating the vocations because we invite religious sisters, religious brothers, and priests of the diocese. Right. The seminarians are present. The seminarians give their little testimony mm -hmm. about who they are and why they are seminarian. And then on top of this, we... Um, we also, Bishop, who is always present, he gives a certificate to all the altar servers yes. that are brought by the Knights of Columbus. So it's a great opportunity for young children, boys and girls, to come to this dinner and to receive an, uh, a certificate from Bishop for the work that they do in their parishes and to shake the hand with Bishop and take a picture with and him. And take a picture, too. Yeah, it, and I can tell you, Bishop really looks forward to that part. Yeah, yeah he likes he, it. You know, he uh, he 
he comes and he and he speaks a little bit, but mostly he really looks forward to that part of the dinner. Yeah. Um, and the kids are so excited to go. You get to come up in front of the audience, and uh, yeah, it, and I remember I remember this one family. One of the kids was I think her name was Sunday. <laughs> and okay. we we had great fun with with that name, you know, like yes. uh, you were destined to be an altar server. Yeah, and Sunday with that name. Yeah, yeah. So that's on on June twenty fourth. Everybody's invited. Tickets with the NASA Columbus in your parishes. And then we have the and that oh, will be at St. Paul's. Oh, you're on, right, on Foreign Road. Yeah, St. Paul in Sacramento. You're right. right. Thank you. Yeah. I forgot to mention that. And then we jump all the way to July, uh, July twenty eighth. 29 and 30th, we had the Kovaris retreat for boys, mm -hmm. 13 to 17 years old. This is going to be in Trinity Pines. So for the, the registration, please check the website of our diocese. And also I will give you, Bob, this this pam, little pamphlet for so you may Good. maybe repeat this information. Later on, there is a website there and it's a link so that parents may register their children. Right. And we are still accepting kids. So the this this you no know, the, the room is, is filled very very quickly. And this is like thirteen to seventeen that that age. That's right. Quovatus, where are you going? That's right. And it's a retreat for boys who want to know what is the will of God for them. This is not for boys who are brought obliged by their parents. No, right. those kind this retreat doesn't work for those kind of boys, you know. Right. Uh, but rather this retreat works rather for those Kids that, you know, they go for mass. Mm -hmm. Kids that they are, you know, they really want to know what God wants of them. Sure. And it's not for, for holy ones. I mean, nothing like that. It's for a regular kid. Right. But a kid that has a certain knowledge with God, of God, in relationship with God, and right. a kid that wants to know what is about his life, you know. And this is an overnight or two, That's two, right. two nights? Two nights, two nights, three days, night. yeah, up in Colfax. That's right. Yeah. It's a great experience for the boys. It's a kind of camping style. Mm -hmm. We have games, we have food, we have great talks, we have moments of adoration and prayer. So it's, it's a great moment for the kids. Always, always, the best thing of the retreat, what the kids take away, is the moment of the adoration with the Lord, mm -hmm. and and it's something that the kids really enjoy. Incredible. That moment of silence before the Blessed Sacrament is something that kids always enjoy the most. Interesting, right? Yeah, you know, my 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 daughter Molly, who uh, uh, goes to Sacramento City College, and but has just found the Davis Newman Center. Yeah. And I, I think, I don't know if it's once a week, but it's around that amount of time they have adoration. And she says she just d just loves adoration, you know. And uh, there's just something profound about it yeah. for her. And, and look and, like that, that Mo Molly, and I know yeah. your your daughter. Yeah. She's a talkative lady, and yeah. she likes jumping and dancing, and you <laughs> know those does. kind of things. But having that moment before the Blessed Sacrament is is unique. Yeah, it's, it's unique. It really touches her heart for young people. And her soul. Yeah, incredible. So, and then I have a good news. Uh, we have seminarians, of mm -hmm. course. Now it's about the seminarians. We, with the grace of God. And also with the approval of Bishop, we received two more men this year to be our seminarians. One, one is Joseph Murray mm -hmm. from the area of Reading. Uh -huh. He's coming from a from a little town called Shingletown. Yes, close to Reading. Yeah, it's it's a little bit 
west of Reading on Highway 299, heading over toward the coast. East. Oh, east. East. Oh, east I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking of Whiskey Town. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, whiskey. yeah. Shingle the Town's way. the other way. The you're, other way around. Exactly. exactly. Toward Mount Lassen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, and, and he's a great man, you know. Thanks he's, for correcting me. <laughs> no, yes, of course. He studied um, music. He's a musician right. together with his family. And and everybody loves him. He has a, a beautiful personality yeah. and very noble man, very noble. So he's Joseph Murray. And the other one is Alejandro de Leon. This young man is coming from Mexico. He was a seminarian in Mexico. But even though Bishop has said, in the, has said you know, I don't want to, to welcome more men from other countries mm-hmm. unless they, you know, fulfill certain requirements. Well, this man fulfilled those uh-huh. requirements. So that's why he's coming. Then we God. He got approved with his uh, student visa, and he, we will have him very soon here. He will study English, and he will be studying at St. Patrick's mm-hmm. in Menlo Park, while Joseph Murray, he will be sent to Mount Angel. Up in Oregon. So we have 11 seminarians then speak to God, and I will mention where they are assigned, because I would like that people go and see them and meet them in their parishes or their places of work, and, and, and people bring their, their your children to right. meet a, a real-life seminarian. So... I will start by the order that we have that mm-hmm. I have in my calendar. I also invite peri- people to go to their parishes. You can take a picture of your calendar, uh, of the seminarian's calendar, and you bring that picture to your home and post it so that you and your children may pray for the seminarians and the future vocations. The first one is in this in the order that they appear is Benjamin Condon. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is assigned in Davis. Davis and St. James. I'm going to have to look him up. Davis, yes. My home parish. And, he, of course, he's from Sacramento area. He's from, yes, from um, St. Mel's, Saint Mel's yeah. Parish. Yeah. Right. And he will be working in the migrant camps. That's exciting. Oh, very good. You know, the diocese take care of, of the migrant camps, those places where migrants come and they right. work in the fields during the summer. And, and the, the, our diocese offers catechism mm-hmm. for those children and the families, right. you know, those families, because since they are moving around yeah. in the country. Very important for them. So the, the kids receive the catechism, and at the end of, of the summer, the kids get this, the sacraments, baptism, confirmation, oh, first communion. Those couples that are uh, living in, in, in just living together, they get married. All the sacraments received at the end of this of the wow. summer. And we have a number of migrant camps in Yolo County, and we have and three in total, which is in the the one in Madison, right, Madison, the one in there in Davis. It's very near Dixon. It's kind of between Dixon and Davis. It's a little bit south of Davis. Got yeah. it. And another one in Dixon. And another yes. one in Dixon. Yeah. Yeah. So Ben is going to be working there. So. You will see Ben. It's easy to identify. Tall guy, oh, red hair. <laughs> yes, big smile. The next one is is uh, Ivan Franco. He is going to be doing a thirty years, thirty years, thirty days of <laughs> sorry, of silent retreat, Ignatian silent retreat. Oh, wow. oh yes, very exciting. Because you know he's in the journey of, pre- of getting ready for ordination in the future. We don't know when. But as part of the journey is to have this retreat, silent retreat, 30 days. So he's going to be busy doing that this, this summer. Then we have Victor Goranov. Uh, he is, ori- oh, Ivan Franco is from Willows. Uh-huh. Victor Goranov, Goranov is from here from the cathedral. He is assigned right now in Grass Valley. Oh, so wow. people can go and see him at St. Patrick's yeah. St. Patrick's uh, Church in Grass Valley. St. Monica's in Willows, is that right? Right, yeah, good yeah. memory. 
Then we have Matthew Graham. Mm -hmm. Matthew Graham, he just finished the propedutic year, so he's new for us in the diocese. He's been with us only a year. He's a very bright young man, and he is assigned this year in Camp Pendola. So he's going to be working with with children in Camp Pendola. Will he be there all summer? The whole summer. Oh, wow. The whole summer. He's going to be there. So uh, he's excited. He must feel like he won the lottery. What a great place to spend the summer. Yeah. Yeah, I hope he has, he goes well with, with those children and don't, yeah, <laughs> just pray for him. Pray for him. Yeah, so it's I, hard work. It's hard work. It yeah. is hard work. And I will go and see him this Sunday. I will celebrate mass for those who are working in, in the in the migrant camps. I'm sorry. In the Camp Pendola. It's camp another Pendola. camp, but it's Camp right. Pendola. And I will go and celebrate mass. I will check how he's doing. So um, then Scott Whitaker, mm-hmm. he has been also with us one year, and but he's in he just finished his first year, first year of year of theology, and he's assigning John Saint Joseph in Lincoln. Okay. So people can go and see him at Saint Joseph in Lincoln and talk to him. And he's a great man. He's a mature man, and um, he's he's a great, great, great. He has a beautiful soul. Then we have Victor Amador. Mm-hmm. He is a yeah. He Victor Amador is from 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 this city from Ferox. Okay. Ferox, yes. Yeah. He grew up. In Ferox, but he belongs to the cathedral, okay. the cathedral parish. He finished his pre-theology, so he will go to theology one, and he's assigned in Anderson. Oh wow, Sacred Heart up in Shasta County. Yeah, yeah, in Anderson with Father Rush. So people in Anderson go and see Victor, meet Victor. He's a great guy as well. Then we have Edgar Lozano. He grew up here in Sacramento, uh, and he belongs to uh, the, the parish of Fordero Guadalupe. Edgar is assigned this summer doing to a, to a hospital. He's going to be doing the CPE, which is a, a you know pastoral training right. in a hospital. So he's there. He's going to be in UC Davis. So if you are sick or you visit a sick person, you might right. you might see uh, Edgar there in so UC, UC Davis. So UC Davis right here in Sacramento. That's yeah. right. Then we have Alejandro Marquez. Alex Marquez, he is from Corning mm-hmm. Parish. And this summer, because he has finished his fourth year of, of three years of study in, in, in of philosophy, we gave him a break this summer. Mm-hmm. He will have no no formal assignments. Right. So he may have more time with his family, and he wants to do a pilgrimage uh, on his own to Europe. He will go to Europe uh, to have a pilgrimage. And, um, yeah. I thought if he's from Corning, maybe he could help with the olive harvest up there in Corning. You're getting a lot of kids from uh, a lot of from kids, the north, lot, from the north, Corning, Willows, uh, Shingletown. That's that's wonderful. Yeah, thanks be yeah. to God. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, and I will mention someone that was ordained also from that area. Mm-hmm. And then we have Ralph Tronchi. He is also from Saint Mel's Parish. Mm-hmm. He is assigned to work this summer at the cemeteries. Oh, so wow. if you, as I said, as you see Davis, if you go to, to the hospital, you will see him. You will see um, Edgar Lozano. If you happen to, to go to the cemetery at St. Mary's here in Sacramento to visit a deceased, a deceased one or to, you know, to accompany right, sure. someone, you might, you might see Ralph Tronchi oh, working there. Yeah. And then we have... Um, who is missing? Someone is missing. Well, yes, I mentioned that uh, we have Father Eric Patrick. Who now, is Father Eric, no longer a seminarian. No more Eric Patrick only, but it's now Father Eric Patrick, yeah. who happens to be also from Reading area, right. from Whitmore, which yes. is just really small town. 
Yes. Yeah. Just few miles away from from Shingletown. From Shingletown, yeah. 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 When I first met him and he told me where he's from, like I, I was embarrassed. I said I thought I knew every town in Northern California, but I'd never heard of that one. Whitmore. Yeah. Yeah. So we are very happy. We celebrated his first mass last Sunday. He did a great job. Uh, yeah. So God has blessed us with great men. Great men. Wonderful. Well, Father, always always a joy to see you again. The 20th at Christian Brothers, uh, doors open at 6.30, the game's at 7, the priest and seminarians basketball game, and right. then the 24th at St. Paul's on Florin Road, the annual vocations dinner, which is always, it's a chance to meet a lot of these people. That's right. To see who they are. My One of my daughters, who's uh, now a student at Santa Cruz, uh, yeah. at UC Santa Cruz, she's already she's already blocked that date off. She's coming. Great. Um, yeah. I would be happy to see her. Yes. Again. Well, she'll, she'll be happy to be there. So... Thanks for all you do, and uh, we will continue to pray for vocations. Thank you for having me here. Blessings to you, Bob, your family, your work, and blessings to all those who listen to us today. Thanks so much, Father. God bless you, too. God bless you. Uh, That's going to do it for us today. Thanks for listening. God bless. We'll talk with you again very soon. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the Mercy Foundation, enriching lives in the Sacramento region through Sisters of Mercy Ministries in healthcare, education, housing, and the care for the poor and elderly. For the Mercy Foundation, philanthropy is one of the most powerful expressions of compassion and love. Just as many people in our community need a hand, countless others are reaching out to them with comfort and hope. You can express your care and concern for the less fortunate with a gift to the Mercy Foundation. Uh, You can give them a call, 916-851-2700. That's 916-851-2700. And you can be confident that fully 100% of your contribution will support the Sisters of of Mercy Ministry or ministries that you choose. And what a wonderful treasure Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts has been for all of us here in the diocese as they uh, uh, transition uh, into uh, uh, new ownership and management. Uh, They continue to offer wonderful workshops, wonderful uh, uh, resources for the Catholic community throughout the Diocese of Sacramento. Not only does Easter's provide a wide array of Catholic books, both current releases and longtime classics, but they also sponsor a number of valuable workshops and lectures throughout the year. They're, they're located at 6916 Sunrise Boulevard in Citrus Heights. Give them a call, 916-338-7272. We also receive a generous underwriting support by Crumley & Associates, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. If you have questions about retirement, Crumley & Associates can help you with their confident retirement approach that can help define a clear roadmap to get you where you want to go. You can uh, contact them, get all the details at Crumley & Associates, 7956 California Avenue in Fair Oaks. They're at 916-638-4600. That's 916-638-4600. Four six zero zero, and we uh, are, are certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, fine and uh, long-standing support of the Mercy Foundation, of Easter's Catholic Books and Gifts, and of Crumley and Associates. Can I pour my heart out 
folks who are listening Well, I see this life It's valleys and mountains And I think of all the roads That brought me here Oh, that brought me here Walking down, walking down the road Well, I've questioned my reasons This life I'm living I question my ability To judge wrong from right Well, I questioned all the things I've ever called certain My race, my religion My country, my mind But the one thing I don't question is you 